if you're trying to get these people into your businesses and you're trying to have them endorse things, like allow them to tell you how it's hard in terms of being a woman or a man in different places and ethnic and these other things and the discrepancies in pay, the discrepancies with like how they're treated. Hi there, wanna hear? Welcome to Stories from the Field a production from Firefly Inclusion Solutions. Each day, Jason and I are fortunate to meet and work with individuals that are driving culture and systems change across their communities, in their organizations, and across the globe. From diversity, equity, and inclusion experts to enthusiasts from all fields and disciplines, we're thrilled to bring you their insights and stories of transformation. Let's get started. Well, Ryan, so happy to have you here with us. Just to give you a little bit of a background on kind of why we're doing this podcast, you know, really part of the inspiration for this podcast is to really be able to share some of the amazing insights we gain from individuals like yourself with a larger audience of diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners, enthusiasts, activists in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And we're really excited to have you on this podcast. So I'll kick it off with our first question and get right into it. I would love for you to share a bit about yourself, your path, and the coolest thing you're currently working on. All right. So my path. I grew up in Chicago after I was born in Colorado uh, to a father in the Air Force and a mother in high school. And uh, then I went on with my father to Chicago. We moved from the west side to Evanston, Illinois. It was fantastic and diverse and very interesting. And I was no longer the mixed kid, AKA on the west side of Chicago, the white kid who would get beat up by a bunch of kids. And then I need my eight like savior cousins to jump in and and just take care of me and help me um, get through that. So I fell in to sports first with Tony Hawk and these guys in extreme sports. I really love the adrenaline and the heart pumping moment of that. And then I started conforming a little more as I started realizing like I was really an out, not an outcast, but I was an outsider. I really, I, f- I wanted to more included or, or include myself more in to a social life as a kid, because moving from the West side of Chicago to Evanston, it was just like, there was so much and I wanted to be a part of it, but I felt so different. And I had been used to only being kind of attacked as a kid as being different, but now I just was different like everyone. And then I started trying out for some team sports when I hit high school and I fell into volleyball because actually a guy in math class, Patrick Palma, Filipino friend of mine, love him to death. He was skateboarding on my street when it was my birthday. He saw my skateboard and that's how we became friends. We were in high school together in class and he said, have you ever thought about playing volleyball? And I said, like, what, the Top Gun type stuff? He's like, yeah, totally. And uh, I said, okay, sure. Where are we going to play? Like, we go into the beach? And he was like, no, bro, it's indoor. And I said, indoor volleyball? What does that even look like? And he's like, there's six people, whatever, just come. You'll love it. I loved it. In my skateboard shoes, imagine lanky six at the time, six, four ish. I'm six, six now. And just no idea what I was doing. All these kids at volleyball for pretty much, I don't know, five years at that point. I fell in love. I fell in love with how diverse the team was, 
the ages, the whatever, and I quickly progressed from there. And so I ended up being like this scrawny, like high schooler with no friends. So all of a sudden, like I'm playing high school volleyball, I'm playing club volleyball. Uh, luckily, they got me in on a scholarship because financially it was way too expensive, like it is for most people these days. And that really kind of opened my mind to what was possible because to be perfectly honest, I wasn't I wasn't really I had heard about college and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I'm like a human, but I was never thinking like, what is my path? We've been moving around and whatever. I never really even thought about it. And an academic advisor said, what are you doing? And I said, like, I don't know. What should I be doing? So, well, you're in sport and you're doing these things. You go somewhere with that. And I was like, I am just learning how to play volleyball. So I went from JV in my junior year to varsity by the end, varsity my senior year. But during that transition of uh, JV to varsity volleyball, this academic advisor said, you really need to think about what you're going to do. And if you can't use this sport, like, what are you going to do if you go to college? And so I took a bunch of honors classes and different things. And then that really got me interested more in the world because I took Latin. I didn't want to take French because I got my heart broken by my freshman year French teacher. And so then from there, I like I graduated high school and I went into playing volleyball for three different schools, but I went to four different universities, if you can believe that. One four-year, a junior college, and back to a four-year. And from there, I overseas because I just wanted to keep pursuing volleyball. Volleyball for me quickly became this vehicle for anything that I wanted in life. I understood I could go to school. I could play it professionally, play with this German guy on my junior college team in California. It got me out to California. You know, it got school paid for for three years the time that I was in school. And then I transitioned to volleyball professionally. I moved overseas 2002. And from 2002 to 2005, I stayed in Europe. This is actually, I think that's right around the time that Juana and I met uh, somewhere in there. It was like, I joined the national team because I was just waiting for something to be disturbed with the national team because I thought, I truly believe when I look at these athletes, I can do that. Okay, most of them were white, first of all, and I'm this mixed athlete. I, I don't identify with them. I didn't have a friend who had done it before. You know, there was no like path to get there. It was just, how do you do it? And for me, it always made sense to go with the simplest thing. It was like, if I want to go there and that is the person that's there, I'm going to write them. So when the national team coach changed, I'd already written the ex-national team coach. He never wrote me back. One wrote me back immediately. And I got this call. Uh, actually, I was in Evanston just north of, of Chicago. And it said like, come try out, we're interested in you. I tried out and from there, I really got exposed to everything because I made the national team, the uh, 18 man roster, which is the Olympic roster. From there, I started learning, oh my gosh, like it's crazy. This is a business like for sport and I don't know all these things. I've already been screwed over by these teams. And how is this happening? And I felt very, excluded from the knowledge base of what it to be an elite level athlete, but also a business. There are a lot of things that are not accessible to you as a human, unless you reach certain milestones, right? Certain areas that there's like this niche and they can say, hey, this is what it's actually like. So there I learned, I didn't know much about the business side of it. 
I was very different than everybody else and I needed to keep asking questions and I wasn't sure how to go about my professional career and who could really help me without hurting me because a lot of the agents and teams in my experience from 2002 when I turned pro to 2005 when I joined the national team had screwed me over whether it was me and my stupid but very you know uh, rookie move of signing a German contract and I couldn't read it and I asked friends, does this look good? All the professional athletes I looked at it was like, that looks, yeah, it looks solid. There was one clause that basically said I, I was actually responsible for my visa procurement in Germany. So imagine I'm in Eastern Germany. So we're talking German, Russian. This is, these are the languages. And I'm in uh, the Auslandebehörde office. So the foreign exchange visa office. And I'm trying to get this visa and I'm calling my manager on the phone. And it turns out this guy really sticks it to me because he tells the person, yeah, give him a student visa, but I didn't understand. And this is how they were able to really screw me over. And so when I was asking all these national teams, guys, what do you do? They said, just fend for yourself, get as many agents as you can. Just don't let them hurt you first. Just use everybody. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And so I was looking for other agents. And then I was like, okay, A, it's only men. It's mostly guys who have really not played the sport at a high, high level. And I said, like, who's going to solve this issue? And I found a guy through a national team teammate. He was an Olympic speed skater. Uh, we're talking like Apollo Ono. This was his teammate, literally. And he was also a lawyer in two states, California and Missouri. And he was doing athletic endorsements. And after a year and a half of working with him, he was like, you're really resourceful. Let's talk. <laughs> I got a business idea. And he threw down this idea about an agency. And I said, you're amazing. I've been thinking about making this website and just creating this platform for athletes to not only connect with opportunity, but to be educated about opportunity and how to go about this, how to be professional, blah, blah, blah. So we started together. This is how I started Elite Volley. Then when we split off because he went to the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, there's no way he could work with an agency. This is against the rules. So I bought him out. And then I started thinking, a website's not just the only solution. How do I really solve this dilemma? I was like, is the issue really with the teams? Is it really with the other agents? Is it with the coaches or the other players? I was like, no, it's with us. It's like a human problem. We don't know these things and we don't know ourselves and we're going against all of these different obstacles. And as athletes, we've been in this box for so long that we're just thinking people are going to do it for us. I said, we've got, I've got to educate athletes on how to educate themselves about not only the world, but first themselves. So this is how I got on the whole beyond athletic thing. I started a podcast. I started a nonprofit for this in Serbia. And really, this is where I'm at now. I decided the agency had to be, I said, like, let me test out educating athletes and empowering them, equipping them with this stuff and see if it works. My first athlete, I'm really excited to share this, actually, because it just happened like 48 hours ago. An athlete that's been with me for seven years, she's the first young woman who decided to be my guinea pig. Literally, I was like, please be my guinea pig because you just wrote me an eight-page email about how you dream big and you whatever and you're super athletic like I was, but you don't know how to get there. I was like, I got some ideas on how to do some stuff and it was messy, it was crazy, but I'm gonna tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I love this human. I love her like a little sister. She loves me like an older brother. It's crazy how close we've gotten. She's um, a young black woman. And I'm so excited because she just played against one of the top teams in the world 
48 hours ago and had a lights out match as an undersized player playing in a position that normally a player would never play. And emotionally and socially, the path for her to get there was incredible. On top of that, my other player, another ethnic player, black and white mixed athlete from Iowa, got MVP. So I'm like super excited because here we have like as an agency, but I'm coming at it from an athlete's perspective. Let's empower and equip these athletes and let's surround them with support and knowledge and Olympians and women and men and specialists and whatever. And why aren't we doing this? So that's where I'm at today. I'm living in Croatia. I'm like, where am I? I've been here since 2002 in Europe. And yeah, the rest is history. Oh my gosh. I don't even know like where to go. Like, I feel like (laughs) we can just unpack that whole, uh, your lineage and your, your path and your journey. One of the things that really excites us and you started to, you've set us up for the, for my next question, Ryan is, you know, we're doing a lot with fitness companies right now. And I've shared that with you before. Mm. And there's this huge emphasis on borrowing from core values from pro athletes and athleticism and aligning that into their company culture. And I think for many companies, it's really relatable. Like you want to see, you know, values like, like, you know, commitment and determination and perseverance and all that celebrated and being baked in. But I think there are parts of it that are really missing. Right. And so I think it's one thing to benefit from those tendencies or from those values, you know, but how do we start talking about, the experiences BIPOC athletes have in Europe or in Asia or, you know, let's frankly in the U S but, you know, I think there's, there's this miss on the education piece and there's a miss on the perspective of, you know, we may all share these values and it does not show up for me this way. And that is not how I have to battle it to be quote, you know, resilient. Right. So I'd love for you to share as, a professional athlete as a black and indigenous man, right? Which is a whole other story. You know, what are the things that came up for you and your experiences? You know, what are the top three things that you would say for an athlete of color beyond the U.S.? Because it's, you know, we often hear like racism is a U.S. problem, right? And, and, you know, obviously we, we debunk a lot of that in our sessions, but what could you share with companies that are that are really honing into athleticism and that kind of spirit? What would you want them to also make sure that they're capturing? I think first of all, first of all, you have to give athletes the chance to actually have a voice. And many people say, like, let's give athletes a voice and et cetera, et cetera, and let's give them a platform, but then they give them a very strict guideline of what to say and what to talk about and blah, blah, blah. And they never just ask something very simple, like what do you feel is underrepresented about your journey or is never asked, but should be asked? Like what is most important to you that you feel people need to hear about this and know about this? And to go side by side with that, it's romanticized, you know, sport. And I just had a fantastic podcast episode with an athlete and if you don't mind I'll just I'll just kind of throw that out there Simone Lee Penn State all-american playing in uh, Japan right now which is a whole nother thing with <laughs> like man so we were talking about the same thing and I said like what what would you like people to ask you because I understand that 
so often people are just like, ooh, you're interesting and you look different and you are this, but they want me to tell the story that they think is the prettiest. And it's not pretty. It's not pretty for any of us athletes, but it's definitely not pretty for us athletes who have been chased down a German street. I hate that it was Germany because I get it, but like chased down a German street by a neo-Nazi and like really worried for like, what the hell is gonna happen to me? You know, like, uh, and this is me <laughs> or my female athletes who are in uh, different countries, whether it's, uh, let's see, Istanbul. Had a, a player in Istanbul and she was not only in the beginning, it was like, no, I don't want to play the, pay this player this much money because what? She's not like these other girls on the national team. I said, like, what? How is she not like these other women on the national team? Well, she's a she hasn't really made a roster she hasn't done these things i said but she has i said but is it because like she's just not the star that everybody is shining that light on that you don't want to give her this type of money this was one thing the second thing was that you know if you're trying to get these people into your businesses and you're trying to have them endorse things like allow them to tell you how it's hard in terms of being a woman or a man in different places and ethnic and these other things and the discrepancies in pay, the discrepancies with like how they're treated. I had this one athlete in this case in Istanbul, they turned off her heating in the middle of the winter in Istanbul. They tried, they, they changed the times for her, uh, like the group message for when the, the bus was leaving to catch Champions League Champions League, if anybody knows worldwide sports, Champions League matches for volleyball, they changed it so why? Because they wanted her to look like the one because they knew people would believe, oh yeah, she's yeah, she's different than everybody else. She's she's the problem. So when I had dealt with this crap before, like being called a Sonnenkinder in Germany by my team manager, which means like sun child, skin tone, like literally the reference. And it was stupid because it's not even like a real racial slur in Germany. So whenever I tell German friends, they're like, what? And I show them the article and they're like, oh my God, like how village do you have to be to even make that up? You don't even know how to make a racial slur. These athletes are up against this. Like let them tell that story. So A, ask them what has been unsaid. B, let them tell the story the way that they really truly connect with it, which is struggle, struggle, man. And then C, I don't even know, because like those first two are just so huge. You want three things, but I feel like you got to start with those two. That one's going to be the the, the follow-up question, right? For, for <laughs> accomplishing the first two. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, you know, you see Jason and I are like nodding. And I think that, that those two lessons are pretty big for companies in general right now, you know, as we think about the pivot towards going from inclusion to anti-racism work and how that is true struggle. And we often like the analogy I use is, I think a lot of companies have signed up for the Olympics and now they're like, mm -hmm. oh, what you want me to run around the block? And I think that's really hard, right? Because for example, you know, in the context of our work, you can't do anti-racism without touching white supremacy culture and characteristics. Mm -hmm. And that is not a personal attack. That is, that is showing up with love and heart and respect and appreciation for 
an organization to say, we believe in you so deeply that we want to help you solve for this. And so when you say it's about the struggle, you know, I think that's the hard part, especially in the context of some of, you know, some, some organizations that, and Jason and I talk about it all the time, like they want to do the after photo when you've lost all the weight. But like, what we're saying is this work is like the ugly, like sweaty, like you fell off your treadmill or you you fell down the stairs photo where you're like, I busted my stuff and it really hurts. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe you can give advice on this, but you know, I think that's what we're really struggling with um, as Firefly is to, to show up with the, the compassion and compassionately challenged to say, we can't go to the next place without this pain. And we can't, and we can't shut it down because it hurts too much because this is the growth that will get us to the place that, to that next level of where our, our customers, where our users, where our, you know, listeners are, are expecting us to be as an organization. Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, Okay, so those first two parts are really important. It's like, allow yourself to talk to this athlete, you understand like, what are the missing pieces and then allow them to really tell that story and then to understand. So you start to understand that it is not pretty. It's really hard every day because you're not only, I mean, when we talk about this, it's like, I love Daniel Goldman's new podcast because he wrote the book on emotional intelligence, right? And so much has come from that. And that's, that's moving forward so much. But when it comes down to it, this is all about internal and external struggle. And you have to find a way to allow athletes to let you understand how they connected with those things. And so one of the things is like, what do you do every day? Showing that, showing how hard that is, showing them slip, showing them miss days or weeks. Like there'll be times where I'll go like four days on a Netflix binge and I'm like, what just happened? I don't even know. But nobody sees that on, on social media. But I try to be really accountable to myself and hold my t- myself to the standard that I say, like, I have to be able to show this side of myself because nothing is pretty. And if I really want to resonate with other humans, I got to show them I'm human. I got to show them I'm vulnerable. I got to show them not only am I vulnerable to the external world, but I'm vulnerable to myself to these pre-programmed things that are going on with me. So I would say like show that messy side of things, but then also let these athletes and, and ask them and find ways to show the stories of love and fear. When were you most afraid? When were you most afraid from something that was totally internal that you can like, you're, you're, you're self-aware that you understand that's coming from this place of childhood trauma or whatever, or this is coming from a place of like external trauma that's happening with your team where a coach is like gently rubbing the lower back of you and you're like, what is this? And you don't know what to do. Like, I mean, there's stuff happening all the time, right? And we're trying to adjust to these things. Give them a safe space or a way to show that they were afraid or they they love some part of their journey, but not just the pretty side of it. Yeah. And I would say like, that is probably one of the key ways that I'm working right now. We're working on a series of mini series for elite volley where it's like, how can we show that this is really hard? So when you wake up, when you miss something, when you don't do your daily routine, when the coach yells at you and then you're crying in, in, in training, which I'm, a man is a man. I haven't done that. I don't care. I'm a human, like female, male, none of this stuff matters anymore. It's just like feelings exist. 
we either know how to deal with them or we don't. And I think that's a really important thing for them to look at is go, okay, let's talk about the, the moments of fear and let's talk about the moments of love. When were you giving it? When were you receiving it? Both. And this, I think you're going to connect with everybody on, right? Because uh, I think if, it, if the internet is doing anything these days, Wada, Jason, like it's, it's showing us the wrong way. And there's people that are going to be attached to it for a while, but there's so many people who are like, no, there's a way to use this platform in such a special way and really, truly connect. And that's scary. And lean into that fear, lean into that scariness. I don't know if I hit it, but I hope I did. You really hit it. You, you seriously hit it. It's, I think just to reemphasize this piece around like the fear and the, and the love, right. I think, is very, very, very important. And it is applicable to all of our clients, all of us applicable. I'm just hearing you say that like hit me personally. So I can only imagine, but thank you for sharing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So much of what you shared resonated both with me just individually and in the place I am on my own kind of journey, but also collectively, I think when I'm talking about Firefly and some of our clients, you know, this fear element preventing them from being open to hearing those real authentic stories or pulling back the curtain to let everybody know that things aren't perfect. And what we try to convey is that that's where the world is going. People are tired of the charade. People are tired of the, you know, putting this thing up as perfect because we all know it's not perfect, right? So to, to try and put that out there, is, you know, literally, you know, becomes this kind of like slap in the face to the reality. And we're not asking for perfection. We're asking for honesty. We're asking for truth. Yeah. We're asking yes. for authenticity, right? That's what we're asking for. So stop giving us this curated version of whatever reality you're trying to sell, yeah. right? And I love this point because in so many of our other cases, like what I truly believe is, you know, part of that fear comes from denial, right? And denial of the 100%. truth, denial of the reality. And what I know about denial is that it's truly the antithesis of our individual and our collective growth, right? And so I love where you're coming from as somebody that sits in that space and holds that space, both for yourself as an athlete and for other athletes that you're trying to support to empower them to kind of maintain that integrity of like sharing your truth, sharing your raw reality. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for that work. And given that gift that you, that you have, that you continue to give athletes and that you've been able to give us on this podcast, what is a, a question or a request that you have for us as inclusion champions or, and, practi and practitioners? Like, what can we do? How can we help collectively? Just like, what can we do? What can we continuously bring to the table that you feel like would really be supportive? Yeah. One of the things just to touch on a little bit of what you said before, just this last question is, um, it just keeps coming to my mind. I feel like I have to say it, but beauty is chaos, you know, and, and a lot of people don't understand that that is true. And that is truth, you know, because we are so chaotic inside, but we're so beautiful inside, but we can't see it because we're so stressed out by not only ourselves and not understanding ourselves, but this ex external world. So I just wanted to lean into that and help people understand, like, please look at that and think about that. Like, beauty and beautiful things are chaotic 
you know, like you look at beautiful birds or whatever animals and there's like all these colors and textures and movement and whatever. This is what this is life on every single level. So it's like if you really want to take all that in, that's where you got to go. What could you guys be doing in these kind of things? A, having a podcast about it and sharing this with people. Thank you. Love it. Fantastic. Hit that on the head. B, making sure that I would say people out there understand how to trust their gut, lean into what's hardest, right? If I've learned anything from sport and being an athlete, which is is truly a vehicle for everything in life, I feel. I mean, it is, I can only imagine it. Sometime like as humans, we're just like, oh, we can do this thing. And it's like competitive to prepare us for these really, really important things like living or dying. Like that it all of a sudden became this training ground for life. And that is essentially what it is. And like, so for me, when I look at all of this, I just think there's so much to learn. And if we can have people out there that are pushing that learning is hard and it must be intentional. And that if you want to start, first off, you have to really truly hold yourself responsible and accountable for yourself. And then you have to try to know yourself. And then you got to learn as much as you can about uh, everything that you can, that you're interested in. Lean into those things. Don't run away from them. Because if it's scary, it means something. And if athletes, you know, we learn one thing on the court, Ooh, man, those big games, you know, the butterflies, the, the people throwing up, the, the stuff that's happening. And you have this decision like, oh, uh, they call it right. There's like flight or fight, but they're fight or fight. But there's also a freeze uh, in the neuroscience, whatever. Right. So I have been in the flight and freeze side so many times. And the best part about this journey is that the fight part is usually what the world just sees. But the most important part of it is how you respond to how you freeze or how you run away from things because that is true growth, right? So I feel like leaning into that and having people talk about that and be comfortable with that is really the way to go. What I wanted to share here, because this is critical, is it's the point of choice. So in transformation, Mm -hmm. it's the upset and then there's the awareness and then the choice you make, right? Mm -hmm. And it's literally make or break, you know, for companies, for leaders, for athletes. It's how you choose to show up in that moment or what you choose to let go of that is no longer serving you, whether it's that external narrative or whether it's it's how you've coped with the trauma or the, the bad day you had, whatever that is. It's yeah. this piece around showing up for yourself, showing up for your potential, showing up for that future version of you, you know, that is the hardest thing to do or the future version of your company, right? Which again is the throw up moment for some leaders. Like, like, cause this has worked for me so far. Like, look at what I built, look at what I did. Like, who are you to tell me that I have to deal with these issues now? Right. And I think that is, you know, I don't think people understand how hard that is from a DNI practitioner standpoint, but also from from an individual leader standpoint, because they're human too. (laughs) Like they get nervous and they have these hard times and 
it, I, I can't tell you how important what you just said is mm -hmm. in the transformation space. Yeah. I think uh, one of my mottos, right, is to stay uncomfortable. <laughs> Never get comfortable. Oh my goodness, it is the worst. I will get comfortable on my couch and do whatever and I'll get comfortable outside and whatever. But like in life, just never get comfortable because it's like uh, that that last podcast I did. Also, I was I was talking about the exact same thing. It's like you have this immediate reward of a amazing Six Flags amusement park, like roller coaster or whatever. And then when you talk to people about like uh, Beyond Athletic taught me this and I had that feeling. The most valuable part of these journeys, when you ask athletes, like, what was the most, what's your proudest moment? This is one of the things I ask on the podcast. <laughs> it's almost never winning the freaking medal or doing the big thing what everybody wants to show. And we all know this, but we all like think like that shortcut is so amazing because like I'm here and that could be me. But the beautiful part for all of them was that struggle the, con the discomfort, oh my gosh, like, yes, Juana, yes, I think this is all so, so important. Learn how to be uncomfortable the majority of your life, and that doesn't need to mean that you're so stressed and whatever that you're not going to be able to do things. That means that you're constantly growing, and you're actually able to not only process things, but give things that are so much more valuable, you know, and you start to understand that you're going to give up a lot of life the way. And I think these businesses need to understand that they're going to give up some immediate whatever returns, but they don't matter. They don't matter. Life, sport, business, it's all about long game. And it's all about all of these things, authenticity and, and all of the things we talked about. Yeah, totally agree. Embrace the beautiful struggle. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you, I think you're going to help us <laughs> process for the rest of the day because that's so much to take in but always grateful to to just be able to spend time with you and catch all this wisdom and insightful things so thank you for spending that time with us and for being on the podcast and thank you for the work My that pleasure. you do and, and what you're putting in it's 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 amazing and let, let's let's continue to follow your 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 journey and your success uh, and likewise, I mean, what you're doing, uh, I feel like as a whole is so needed. Everybody knows it's needed. Come on now. And I'm just very grateful to be on this podcast. I'm very grateful to have gone through all of this stuff. Somebody asked me, uh, you know how you get those cards of humanity? I don't know what it is, but it was like some game and it was like, would you either this or that? And it was like, could you, would you rewrite the clock? And I was like, no. I would never, I'd do exactly what I did. I would lean into it even more and I would embrace it and love it because like, it's so who I am and it's so special. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Follow Beyond Athletic Podcast, follow Ryan, J-A-Y Owens on Instagram. These are the best places. And I try to just throw that out everywhere. I'm really appreciative of you. Thank you so much. What you guys are doing is incredible. If you ever want me to be a part of anything, I just want you to know, unpaid, paid, I don't care. I love this stuff. This is what I, I this drives me. Thank you. Thank you. We'd love to have you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. We hope what you heard today resonated with you. 
Please go to the show notes and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter to share your own stories from the field. There you also find information about us and how we're leveraging inclusion to transform systems, culture, and individuals. Also, feel free to drop us a line and tell us about your journey. We can't wait to meet you.